time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty sitting in with me today is Nick Wiggins, they call him Triple G. You hear him in the morning time. Of course, Michael Bronner is vacationing with his family this week, so we've had a different guest in the studio joining me this entire week. And, okay, on Monday, folks, Mark Heim was able to go ahead and and gloat and give me the business about our two-on-two battle a week ago. And Triple G, I'll go ahead and give him his props and, and and go ahead and tell them, you know, look, you did a wonderful job putting the sir. video together. You yes, did a wonderful sir. job editing everything. I'm, 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 I'm going to have to start calling you Pine Saw because <laughs> we waxed the floor <laughs> with you, man. And, and I can't I, – anything, any name calling that goes <laughs> on, I cannot really argue with it uh, because, again, it, it is what it is and the – the whooping is the whooping that was received. But I'm happy that Triple G Nick Wiggins is in with me today and we have a fantastic oh, yeah. final drive scheduled for you today. Is of it, course. Do, do we have the greatest guest at this point in final drive history lined up today? Well, we, we haven't had on my mom yet. So, okay. of course, right, fair, I fair. will I will say, yes, indeed, we do have the greatest and biggest guest so far of the final drive. John Harbaugh will be joining us at 3.30, and we will have an opportunity to talk to him at 3.30. Of course, coming to Mobile, Alabama for Team Focus and the wonderful organization that Mike Godfrey has put together. And looking forward to him and Coach Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator from Alabama, coming down. Of course, he'll be on morning show tomorrow. Exactly, tomorrow with, with you again and Lee and Mark. But you know, just pleased to have Coach Harbaugh on to talk about team focus, the Baltimore Ravens, and more. We'll get into him with whatever we choose to talk to him about in regards to football-related issues. Of course, Lamar Jackson, a huge sign since the last time he's been on WNSP, the largest contract ever in football history. Deservedly so. and, And, Nick, here's the thing. Not only is it deservedly so, even more so the fact that he was able to do it on his own terms without an agent. And it's just him and his mom. Just him and Miss Jackson. Getting it done. And she ain't sorry. (laughs) No, there's no sorry Miss Jackson in that aspect. And, of course, we do have scheduled to join us today at 5 o'clock is supposed to be Tim Brando, of course, the legendary voice of CBS Sports and ESPN, currently renewed his contract on Fox Sports. He's scheduled to join us at 5 o'clock p.m., so a great show for you this afternoon on WNSP. But, of course, Nick, the the NFL, while we're going to be talking to Coach Harbaugh, you had the scheduling that's going to come out tonight officially, but the few leaks... Got a couple leaks, got a couple rumors. So I think everyone, it's already been announced 
Lions Chiefs. That's going to be your first game of the NFL season. Detroit in Kansas City. Um, Detroit getting a lot of love this offseason. They had a pretty good season last year. They had a lot of low expectations, but they played well. But now it seems like Detroit is almost like becoming America's team. Everyone's rooting <laughs> for them. I don't hard know. knocks. Uh, yeah, yeah, the hard knocks effect. That could totally be it. I don't get it. Um, I don't know. They they probably could have found a better matchup. I mean, it's not like it'll be a not a good game. But I mean, what do you think? Do you think that's kind of a lackluster? There's no rivalry there. There's no history there. Detroit and Kansas City. I don't get it. Well, coming from hard knocks, I think Detroit's name got increased. And the fact that they actually didn't suck last year. Yeah. And to open up the NFL season, uh, well, you know, uh, Lions and Chiefs, uh, I think the Chiefs are going to go ahead and handle the Lions. But, yes. uh, again, to open up the September 7th, I, the Chiefs, yes, 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 and yes. But the Lions finding that other opponent, I'm kind of surprised – with the Lions, even though they were on HBO's Hard Knocks, even though they are going to be better and they were good this year, I don't know, opening up the NFL season, of course, we're just happy to have football at that point in time, right. but the Lions. Hmm. Well, and then, so we got some leaks because nothing's, the schedules haven't been officially announced. Like you said, that'll be tonight at 7. But, so we got the Panthers are going to be coming down to Atlanta week one. Is what the rumors are saying. I don't think that's going to be Bryce Young versus versus Desmond Ritter. I think it's going to be Andy Dalton versus Desmond Ritter. And then in New Orleans, coming to town, is going to be the Tennessee Titans. And I think that's going to be Tannehill and the Titans. I don't think Will Levis will be back there yet. And the Titans, didn't they announce that they were they put Derrick Henry on the trade block? Yeah, but I, you would be crazy to do that. At this point in time, there's no way if I'm the Tennessee Titans, I'm letting that come out of my mouth within the next three years. Now, at the end of his contract, whenever that may be, possibly I would let that leak or I would go ahead and put him on the trading block. But as far as Derrick Henry going anywhere outside yeah. of Tennessee, no way. Well, you know how Derrick Henry is 29 years old. He's a heavy hitting, bruising Running back. I mean, maybe it's that time where you get that value if you can. You pull in Atlanta where they flipped Julio and they flipped Matt Ryan when you can get something for him. And I think I think we all believe that Tennessee is not going to be very competitive this year. Right? Am I, am I in the minority there? I think that Tennessee – is not going to make the playoffs. They they may be one game or two games over 500 if they're lucky. If the Tennessee Titans are lucky, they I, I personally think they're going to be two games under 500. If I had to go over under, I'm going to go two two games under 500 for for the Titans. Yeah, I, I think Jacksonville is going to handle that division pretty easily this year. I think they might surprise people by how good their record is. And you know we were talking about the schedule. So Jacksonville they've got two international games this year. I mean, London is almost like their hometown. They play over there uh, so much, and they're doing it back-to-back -back weeks, so they're not having to fly. They, they got a whole two weeks to get acclimated to that time zone, that climate. I think Jack Jacksonville, I don't know what the over-under for them is off the top of my head, but uh, I think that that can uh, work out pretty well for them.
And then let's see what other uh, anything notable. Uh, obviously, I think this is every year. Cowboys Giants is your first Sunday night football game. I, I think they do that every year, right? Cowboys are a staple. I don't care whether it's opening up on Monday night. I don't care if it's on Thanksgiving. The Cowboys are that staple, regardless of how good or how bad they are. They are still what will always be considered America's team. Right. So you you, you know, have Detroit, to have Cowboys. <laughs> apparently, the Detroit Lions are knocking on the door. Uh, and then, so your first Monday night game is. Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and the gang versus those new look New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers. Now that's going to be a fun game to watch. Maybe they should have put that on Thursday night. Well, I, I just I'm going back to to Broadway Joe's statement that he made yesterday about Aaron Rodgers. I've never seen anyone play better football. Well, you're going to have an opportunity real quick to see what kind of football the Jets are capable of playing because. You come out slow with the Jets, and Aaron Rodgers, again, I've talked about those bright city lights. Green Bay, there's a difference between Green Bay and New York. That's right. And not to say that he was wrong for wanting to get out of Green Bay and and, uh, needing a change of scenery, but what's going to be around him to help him and the Jets, that's where I'm a little bit confused because when you look at the Jets' overall record, just – not that great with what he was taking over as far as seven and ten. The Bills, you jump right into division play. So yep. you're either gonna jump ahead and everybody's gonna say, look, this is the franchise. This is the year for us to make the playoffs. Oh, whoops, we 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 got our tails kicked by the Bills. So that that part is gonna be fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers going from the land of livestock to the land of the stock market. Uh you're right. The lights are different, but and you know you said you said Joe Namath. You said he'd never seen a better football player than Aaron Rodgers. That's the statement that Broadway uh, he, Joe. He's made. obviously not talking about last year. Right? He's talking in general, overall, because he gave Tom Brady his credit for winning his championship rings. But overall, he said he's never seen a better football player. I don't know. Hey, everyone in the chat, everyone listening. Do, are are we thinking Joe Namath took a couple extra muscle relaxers when he said that, or what? I mean, who? Who do you guys think is the – what's the best football player you've seen? Because it didn't – you know, everyone says Tom Brady's the GOAT. But, you know, when you go to a game – like I, I saw Julio Jones live in that game against Carolina where – did he have almost 300 receiving yards? It was sick. And I was like, that might be the best NFL player I have ever seen. Everyone has, like, their own personal best player I've ever seen. So everyone listening, go ahead and drop in uh, in the Sound of Mobile app who you guys think is the best. What, what do you think on that, Corey? Let me sit on that for a moment All right. to, to think about when we come back. I, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll give you what my opinion is. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty sitting in. Nick Wiggins yes, joining me today. Michael Bronner on vacation. And don't forget, coming up at 3.30, John Harbaugh, the head football coach of the Baltimore Ravens, will be joining us. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Triple G, Nick Wiggins, along with Corey Labounty. Of course, we've got Nate doing a great job 
behind the glass this entire week. Want to thank him for all his hard work that he's putting in and hope Bronner's enjoying his vacation. But the best NFL player that I've seen of all time, I'm 45 years old, offense sells tickets. Of course, I'm a Dolphins fan, and I became a Miami Dolphins fan. Don Shula, of course, Bob Baumhauer. Right. Dan Marino, but I'm going to go ahead and say the best of all time. Defense wins championships. Okay. Lawrence Taylor. Okay. Absolutely dominant on the football field. You couldn't block him. You couldn't stop him. 56 was probably the best NFL player I've seen. And, and a lot of NFL players will agree with you on that. He's A lot of times, all the time, he's usually ranked in that top five or top three. Um, yeah, so that's a good one. But, yeah, so in the first segment, if you weren't there, uh, Joe Namath said that Aaron Rodgers is the best player that he'd ever seen. And, you know, Joe Namath has been here since the start. They were almost wearing – I think they might have been wearing leather helmets back then. Uh, <laughs> I say Julio Jones uh, just in his prime. That's in person. Um, yeah, I mean what, – what? Here's – when you look at Jim Brown, depends on yeah, your yeah. era of football because, of course, I'm 45. And what you've been able to see, Barry Sanders was electric. Yes. Can't take anything away from from what Tom Brady was able to. Never the sexiest football player on the field in regards to how he played. And you just like, man, he just keeps completing these passes. And never had that electric run. Wasn't like the Michael Vick of no. the time, the video game time. Because I could be growing up. Again, Bo Jackson, without the yeah. hiccups, what, yeah, yeah, was that an outstanding back. What, what do you think about uh, a Megatron, a Calvin Johnson? He might, he's kind of like a lost-in-history type of guy. Now, it's funny you say that because on yesterday's show, we had Roman Harper, and we asked him throughout his entire career, uh -huh. who was the most dangerous or the hardest player to cover? And he said, Megatron easiest yeah. for him easiest answer he said calvin johnson just was that dude he said hated to see and line up against him because he was able to make things happen yeah. and that was coming from roman harper yesterday so he's a very electric player without question and i, I say that when you look at across the board it just depends on where your generation is for sure as to who you could choose and that's one of the great things about it a defensive guy for me Nowhere near uh, the level of Lawrence Taylor. Luke Keekley was always really good. In his prime out there in Carolina, watching Atlanta have to line up against him, put fear into my heart as a fan. Jerry Rice is another one. Oh, yeah. He, Joe Montana, just depends on how you like it. Do you like defense? Do you like offense? Just depends on what you like. The final drive will be right back here on WNSP 105.5. Nick Wiggins and Corey LeBounty joining you this afternoon. Hey there, this is Bob Baumauer, ex-jock, head fry cook, and I listen to 105.5 WNSP, Mobile, Alabama.
The final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you this afternoon. And it is a pleasure and a privilege to have the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens with us this afternoon. John Harbaugh will be coming to Mobile, Alabama for the 15th annual Team Focus Fundraising Banquet this coming Tuesday, May 16th. There'll be a silent auction that starts at 5.30, 6.30. He will be speaking. Coach Harbaugh, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us on the final drive. Hey, Corey and Nick, great to be with you guys, man. I know you got a great show down there and a great uh, great base. Can't wait to get to Mobile next week and be with Team Focus and Mike Godfrey and everybody that's making such a difference in young men's lives. I'm really excited about it. Coach, we're just excited to have you here and talk to us about one of the reasons you decided to come and be one of the speakers at Coach Mike Godfrey's Team Focus Dinner. Well, because of Coach Godfrey and the Godfrey family, and we've been connected to them for many, many years. I've known about Team Focus for a long time. Guys like Rocky Alt and Keith Howard and so many, so many friends of mine that are part of Team Focus as mentors and leaders. I just know the quality of the people, the character, and the difference they're making. So, this is an opportunity to come down and just maybe, you know, give a little bit back, but have a lot of fun, uh, get to know people, just hang around with people who are good and good friends and close with the Godfreys, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, man. Hey, Nick here. We're we're excited to have you down here, man. A guy of your caliber coming down here and talking to uh, the city of Mobile. You can't beat that. Another thing that you can't beat, though, that contract that Lamar Jackson signed, man. That was amazing. What was your feelings when that news finally broke that Lamar was getting that contract that he deserved? No, it was it was joy, you know, it was happiness, a little bit of relief. You know, the timing of it, Nick, was was pretty was pretty key because it was actually the, the uh, it, during the week before leading up to the draft. Then it got done right before the draft started, essentially around four or five o'clock on that Thursday of the draft day. So that had a little bit to do with our strategy too. So we had to yeah. think about that. I was just happy it got done. I, I'd been saying all along that I felt like it would get done just because both sides and everybody involved wanted it to get done. Right. But to see it actually get done, obviously, is a different thing. And I was happy about it. And, you know, it's been widely covered that it was just Lamar and his mom doing all these negotiations. So once you saw it go down, did that have you wishing that you had Miss Jackie uh, in your last contract negotiation with Baltimore? Oh, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I guess it's a strategy, you know. And uh, But, yeah, I, I really honestly – Try to try not to get too involved in that. I mean, there's there's pluses and minuses for what Lamar did, yeah. both ways. I know he knows that, so it worked out because you know I think I think the bottom line is everybody kind of wanted definitely definitely wanted it to work out, and that's kind of the important thing. Coach, family runs deep as far as playing football within your family. Of course, we know your brother coaching in Michigan, but your father kind of laid the table out for you guys to follow in his footsteps. And sometimes parents don't want their children to follow in their footsteps. When you looked at your dad and becoming that ultimate role model, even seeing him win the 2002 Division I AA National Championship at Western Kentucky of all places, did you always feel that coaching was going to be in your blood? You know, I don't know. You know I think it just always was, you know, and it was yeah, dad and mom and and uh, just growing up, because when you're when you're a coach's kid, and I think a lot of people out there who are listening are coaches' kids in some degree or another, you really do take on uh, the importance of the teams. You know that 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 your dad or mom are coaching. It really 
it matters to you. You know, you become part of the team. You live and die with the successes, the failures, the day-to-day stuff, and you watch it. You watch your, in our case, we watched our dad live through all the different things that uh, that come up. So you kind of, you kind of, I don't know, just by osmosis, I guess you got to take some of it in, I guess. And then, you know, having the players over, we had, my dad was a defensive back coach by trade over the years. So but the DBs were always over at our house for dinners or cookouts. They'd bring the girlfriends over or whatever. They'd laugh. They'd have a good time. So we grew up with those guys. Those guys were our heroes, you know. So, you know, we both played football. Jim obviously was just a little bit better player than I was. But over the years, we had a chance to be part of teams with that too. But you're kind of always part of a team when you're a coach's kid. And, and it, you know, you really don't want to leave that behind. So what do you do? You get into coaching. That's what we did. The dinner table discussions. I know Thanksgiving is not the same without faith, family, and football. Of course, being college and NFL football, the competitiveness when you guys were at Thanksgiving dinners. Did you guys go out and play the the two-on-two football games or the backyard competitiveness around Thanksgiving? And do you love the fact that faith, family, and football are all wrapped up into your family? Well, it definitely is. I mean, that's just kind of the, the de facto uh, pecking order there, to, you know, that you're talking about. That's that's where we're all at. But, uh, yeah, when we were growing up, I mean, it was Thanksgiving. We usually travel and we'd go to Cleveland, Ohio, or Crestline, Ohio, where the Godfrey's are from, as well as Harbaugh's. And we'd be there for, we'd be there and we'd be running around with all the cousins and, and everything. We, we had a, they had a small garage in the back of the, is it really like an apartment, a single story little rancher type apartment that um, my grandparents and, and Mike's mom Curly, she lived in and, and our, their uh, sisters so Marie and Curly were sisters and those are my, my dad and, and Mike and Joe's moms you know so we'd all be there with family would come in and there was a garage back there that had a basketball hoop on either end now it might have, I went back and looked at it one time it was tiny man, it was like a two car garage <laughs> but I remember those games shirts and skins Going at it, it was kind of rough, you know, and as we got older, we were allowed to get in there and do it. And, of course, Mark Godfrey, he played for Oral Roberts. He got to be a great, great player, so he was usually banging. It was it was strange, but it was actually from under the other basket, usually. It was so close. But, man, we had a lot of fun doing that. And whatever sport was up, we played a lot of cards, played a lot of euchre. Euchre was big in Ohio back then. So, Mike and Joe, I'll tell you, those guys are like, don't play euchre with those two guys. I mean, they're tough. They'll, they'll take you to school in euchre. Coach, I tell you, talking about taking to school, the leadership ability of Ozzie Newsom. Everyone here in Mobile, Alabama knows Ozzie Newsom and what he meant to the Crimson Tide playing for Bear Bryant. But then when he becomes a part of the Ravens organization and leadership, let us, let us know what it was like working with the Wizard and Ozzie Newsom and having an opportunity to see the decisions that he was making for your franchise. Man, I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, I know Ozzy's from down that way, and and he is, man. Yeah, that's Bama. I got. We get off the bus on a road trip, and he's all in his phone, you know, and telling me, uh, minute 52 left. He's really, but if it's a blowout, you know, against somebody, he's all smiles, man. He, he he can't, you know, he's ready to get out to dinner. But if it's tight, he gets tight. So it's it's fun to see how much of a passion he has for Alabama football. And I know he and Nick are real close, but yeah, Ozzy's just just been a, it's been the. Um, it's been the, the uh, of a lifetime. It's just been the, the gift and the blessing of a lifetime to have a chance to, to work with him every single day. And he's the kind of guy that does that. He's, he partners, he's partnered with me from day one. Even when I was a first-year young coach, didn't know up from down, 
He always treated me as an equal, always uh, always listened, always uh, had sage advice. One of the cool things about Ozzy is the ability to, to get to the heart of, a, of an issue. You know, there can be a lot of peripheral things going on in a ter- certain circumstance, but it was always, you know, hey, you know what, this is really what we're talking about here, whether it was, you know, nobody's bigger than the team or sometimes it's just a matter of personnel. Like, you know, we don't play any games till September. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll, have, we'll get that corrected. We got time. Be patient just a little bit. Things like that always made a big difference to me. All right, John. So you said that Jim was the, the better player uh, in the Harbaugh family. Who's the better coach? Oh, I'd say Jim. You know, man, look All what right. he's doing in Michigan. He's done it at every level. <clears throat> you know, the thing about Jim, it's really amazing. Um, he, he's never not done great anywhere. Yeah. At, uh, and as a player or as a coach, but University of San Diego, they were, they were down. He flips them completely around. Stanford, they were below down. They were beneath down, okay? They hadn't won a game, I don't think, the year before. Flips them completely around. Beat USC. Pete Carroll's vaunted USC team the very first year when he really didn't have a good team. I think he won four games, but still finds a way to beat USC. Then you know how that rivalry grew. After that, goes to the Niners, builds a, just a, a powerhouse. I mean, he did an amazing job there uh, building and developing that team. Then goes back to Michigan, and with all the scrutiny and all the all the microscopic, Michigan wasn't an easy uh, easy bill by any stretch, but just stuck with it, uh, uh, you know, pushed through. Now they got a team culture. I think it's second to none. I believe that wholeheartedly, and uh, you know, he's just done a great job. He's he's got that program on the level of your program there in that state. They're kind of kind of you know in that same world right now. And I know Jim wants to take to the next level and try to win a national championship just like Alabama's done so many times. So, yeah, that's where he's at. I'm really proud of him. Yeah, man. No, they're definitely a powerhouse over there in Michigan. And, look, I'm going to clip this, and I'm going to send this to my brother. I'm going to say, hey, look, anytime someone asks you a question about me, I need you to answer it like John did about Jim. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's funny you say it. It's funny you say it because I just – we grew up, and our dad kind of – I kind of learned this just by watching him. But he was the kind of guy that was always like that. Like, he never, ever said a negative word about anybody that was his, you know, family, uh, on his team, on his side, not publicly. Now, he'd tell us privately, uh-huh. especially if we didn't run out of pop-up pop or something <laughs> like that, man. He'd make us walk home from the field if we didn't, you know, put our, put our bikes in the trunk and make us walk home if we didn't run out of pop-up or something like that. But publicly, he never, ever said anything but positive words about us. And that's one of those things I think he just kind of, he just grows on you after a while. And I'm a big believer in that. When young, with young people and the kind of people that Mike and, 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 and Team Focus is touching, that's right. something that's really important to a young person, to give them belief in themselves and know that they're special and valued and that they've got a great future. And look, and that's why they're having you come be the keynote speaker, man. It just makes complete sense. But I'm going to uh, bounce back over to Baltimore. So you guys have established your team as the premier rushing threat in the NFL over these past few years. In this offseason... You know, you get Lamar. Maybe that's what led you guys to taking Zay Flowers early. You bring in the highest-touted free agent, I think, uh, this year in Odell. You already have one of the best tight ends in Mark Andrews. What do you see as the potential for your guys' offense this year? Oh, absolutely. Just what you're saying. I mean, it's it's high, you know. And, and, you know, we feel that way every year. But it does take time to put different pieces in place, even as you saw with the quarterback situation, draft, free agency. You know, we had to really redo our offensive line last year. We had some injuries, uh, injuries with our wide receivers. Our running backs had injuries. So all those things kind of, they can set you back. But I think we go into the season fully loaded on offense. 
really believe that. Now, now what we need to do is we need to develop what we're doing. You know, we've got Todd Munkin, who you guys are very familiar with down there in the SEC and kind of offense that, that he's going to put in. And he's also building off of what we've done in the past. Like you said already, Nick, with the run game, we want to build off of that too and hold on to a lot of those principles that we have, but also open it up and spread it out and get those talented skill guys moving around. Even some of the young guys that you didn't mention, like Bateman or like yeah. um, Isaiah Likely or Charlie Cole or different guys like that. I don't want to leave people out, but we got a lot of talent, man, and I'm, right. I'm really excited well, to get on the grass and start working on working with those guys a lot more. Well, and you saw that Lamar said he's going to try and throw for 6,000 yards this year. I mean, he's got all those weapons. He might c- could come close. Well, if he does, you know, nobody's going to be happier than me. <laughs> That's that. right. That'd be awesome. You know, it's the, be, I, I'm not going to hold him. He doesn't have to hit 6,000. You know, if he had, if he hits 5,800, we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Coach, if he hits 5,800, we're going to go ahead and renegotiate your contract immediately in the offseason, Coach. And I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and make that Super Bowl prediction. 5,800 yards, you guys are going to be the winners of the Super Bowl for sure. Yeah. No doubt. I'm, I'm telling you, realistically, though, those numbers are, whatever they are, they are. Yeah. But it's going to be up there. You know, it's not going to be uh, 6,000. I don't think he meant that seriously. But right. you, Lamar, uh, you never know what he's really, what he's really thinking. But it's going, to be, it's going to be up there where it needs to be, and it's going to be winning football, throwing. We're going, to, we're going to run it. We're going to throw. We've got the quarterback-driven stuff, the RPOs, the play-action stuff, downhill runs, a straight drop-back. I mean, we just got to build it around the players, what Lamar and those guys do well. And uh, I think Todd's really working on understanding that now and some of these um, – Phase two practices we're having, we just got to keep growing that way. The greatest part about you having Todd Munkin on your staff as your new offensive coordinator, a guy that a lot of people down here in Mobile, Alabama, speak legendary on, T. Martin is the quarterback coach, coaching Lamar. When I had him on, he said, look, Lamar has more ability in his left pinky than I do in my entire body. I know I just love the connection with you coming down here, speaking at the Team Focus organization, having someone like T. Martin who's inside of your organization, works for you every day not only that you know personally but the people that will be coming to the team focus banquet know also and had a chance to watch him play not only in high school but in college too yeah that's exactly right that's such a great point to bring up i mean t is a special special guy and had a chance i didn't really know t before he came to our place two years ago uh from tennessee and he was working with the uh the wide receivers and i watched him work and did such a great job and then we kind of shifted the staff around, and we interviewed. We interviewed for the quarterback job, and T was by far and away the best guy. I mean, he he just was so prepared, just blew the interview process away. Now that I watch him coach, I see even more. You know, just from the day to day basis, I think he's got an amazing, bright future in the in the profession uh, as a coordinator, as a head coach. I think the sky's the limit. But right now, he's doing it with the quarterbacks and with Lamar and those guys. And, Really proud of T. He's done a great job. You all down there, I know the people, the fans, and his family should be proud as well. He's a very special person, very great coach. Well, also defensively, you have another Bama guy, Marlon Humphrey. I had his dad, Bobby Humphrey, on, and he spoke so highly of you and Ozzie Newsom. But the leadership that Marlon Humphrey brings, the lightheartedness to the locker room, but all business on the field, his growth as a player coming into your franchise since his rookie year until becoming a pro bowler almost instantaneously, I know you love the leadership he brings. Oh, you're right. All those things you're saying are exactly right. And he's got that great, that great demeanor between being uh, fun, funny, 
you know, enjoys, enjoys what he's doing, but at the same time, he's all business. He's all about being the best he can be, and uh, he wants to be a physical, tough corner, uh, and that's what he is. You know, then the other part of it is, is like he really is not doesn't shy away from working on the things he doesn't think he does as well. I know, you know, coming out there was a rap on him, you know, that he couldn't do a great job covering routes downfield. And uh, that was the, that was the one thing that the scouts all said, oh, I don't know if he's going to be good enough. He doesn't cover the routes downfield. He came to work on that the very first day, and it was never a problem here. I mean, he's actually one of the best in the league covering routes downfield. You know, when a guy does that, that overcomes what is a uh, an advertised quote-unquote weakness, and turns it into a demonstrated strength. You know, that's 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 impressive, and that's the kind of guy that Marlon is. You know, uh, so Marlon and your new receiver, Odell, they've been some fierce competitors against one another on the field. So now that they're both on the same team, is that an iron sharpening iron type of situation there? Oh, I'm sure it will be, but, you know, I'm going to have to step in there and tell them to calm it down just a little bit, you know, <laughs> save it for the, uh, for the opponent. You know, let's save it for the Steelers, the Browns, and the Bengals. That's right. we'll, be, we'll be just fine. But, you know, those guys, uh, uh, they're already having a lot of fun together. And I think, I do think at practice, you know, and I, I do think programs like Michigan and Alabama and Georgia and programs like that, Ohio State, they, they basically provide that every single day. I mean, when you got to go against great players every day in practice, that, 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 that helps you be your best. Like you said, iron sharpens iron, and the sharpest iron sharpens iron sharper, I think. So I'll add that little bit to the proverb. Are you allowed to do that? Add something to the problem? Yeah, no. Coach. Yeah, hey, John, uh, you need Harbaugh can, I think, <laughs> is the rule. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, Coach, I, I wanted to know the most exciting part of your job. I know we just had the draft, and you see those war rooms and the, the owners and everyone that's involved with the franchise get real excited, high-fiving. But OTAs getting ready to come up for the rookies. Is it the fall camp? Is it the OTAs that are coming up? Or is it during the season that you enjoy the most? about your job man i'll tell you that's a great question and it, it's it's all the above like whenever you get out there and you and you do something that's football i mean it's what we love to do so you know it's definitely it's definitely associating with the players the draft is cool like that because like you said you draft these guys and it's a life-changing moment and their families and usually it's a big yeah everybody's yelling screaming and crying and everything else and that that's really fun um then you meet them for the first time at rookie minicamp but i would say the best thing to me is uh is just is in the locker room after a win you know because that's what you work for i know i remember vince lombardi talked about that there is no finer moment than in that locker room after you've exhausted yourself in the field of battle giving it everything you got with victory at hand you know and that's that's a paraphrase but that's the point that moment in the locker room with the coaches the players the guys who've given so much for that victory and then and then achieving that moment that's the sweetest part of the whole thing and I'll tell you what, sweet coach, is the fact that you're giving back to Team Focus. And Mike Godford's worked over 20 years here with the Team Focus organization. And you're coming down to be the keynote speaker Tuesday, May 16th, here, 2023. Silent auction starts at 5.30. The doors open at 6.30 and dinner being served. Your relationship with Mike Godford and Joe Godford, who's a near and dear friend to me. I grew up in the South Alabama program when he was the athletic director. And if you ever ask him what it was like to watch me as the ball boy at South Alabama, he'll tell you what I what he means to me and what South Alabama means to me and his leadership. But Mike and Joe together 
and this team-focused organization is what it's all about, why you're coming to be the keynote speaker. And once again, Coach, we, we can't thank you enough for giving us your time coming down to Mobile, Alabama, speaking to young men and adults as well. Those without fathers is the purpose of Team Focus, and this is a great fundraiser opportunity to help those young kids in needs because, Coach, unfortunately to say, you see so many men that become NFL players that have not had fathers in their lives and you as a head coach have seen that over and over again but the difference that team focus can make to those young men without fathers thank you so much for coming and being the keynote speaker well you're exactly right it's an honor to be asked I appreciate being on with you guys you guys run a great show very entertaining and uh thanks for having me on john harbaugh the head football coach for the Baltimore Ravens joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And don't forget, he'll be the keynote speaker at Team Focus, the 15th annual fundraising banquet this Tuesday, May 16th, 2023 at the Mobile Convention Center. You can buy your tickets and support the Team Focus organization. We look forward to meeting Coach Harbaugh and hearing what he and Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator at Alabama, have to say. All right, looking forward to it. We appreciate it, John. Have a good one, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, man. God bless, Coach. Thank you. All right. Okay. I mean, John Harbaugh is by far a coach who's not only won a Super Bowl against his own brother, which to me, when you look at the odds of that on this planet, to, to be a head coach versus a head coach, and then for him to be coming to Mobile next week, for him to take time during this offseason, and knowing that he's about to hit the practice field for the Ravens, giving time to WNSP and you and I and talking. And a great interview, by the way. Without question, but just the plethora of things that he was able to cover and talk about. We could have kept going. We could have went another 20 minutes. Again, I would have loved to have gone another 20 minutes with ease, but that's just you know how Coach Harbaugh made us feel at ease. And what a great coach and an opportunity to see him and Kevin Steele at the Team Focus organization. It's a lot of fun. And we're going to have Kevin Steele on tomorrow morning on the opening kickoff. We were supposed to have him on this morning. Played a little hooky on us. <laughs> and uh, if you missed the John Harbaugh interview just now, we're going to bring it back, replay it at 530, uh, and you can hear the whole thing. We go in-depth on his history, his life, his family, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, what they're looking like, Lamar. We really covered it all there. Covered it all with... One, John Harbaugh, the head football coach of the Baltimore Ravens. The final drive with Nick Wiggins and Corey LeBounty will be right back. This is Andrew Zell, Alabama former quarterback. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And, of course, as you watch all this NBA action, you see all the superstars courtside, and you see guys that that just try to put on for some of these lady actresses. And, you know, I saw Kim Kardashian sitting courtside. Back-to-back games. And back-to-back games, and it makes you wonder, you know, how much work she's had done cosmetically and, and watching the tall guys in the NBA. You know, some people pay for surgery to become taller or to become shorter. Nick, why would anybody 
have as much cosmetic surgery, whether to become taller or shorter or a, a, a butt or a breast reduction in regards to just enhancing themselves, right. especially you and I, we just played two-on-two -two basketball. I could have uh -huh. used a couple of more inches and, and dominated <laughs> in the post, okay? <laughs> you needed a couple, uh, a, a lot of work done. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but with that being said, Nick, but people are paying absurd amounts of dollars yeah, so to become shorter or taller. Yeah, so there's this thing going around that's viral. I just retweeted on my Twitter. Limb lengthening surgery. Guys out here, short guys. I know there's some short guys out there in your car at home listening. They're going to the doctor. They're getting their tibias and phoebias broken. And then they're surgically getting them lengthened by five inches. They're having to use like a wheelchair afterward until it heals. They're, you're not really able to run and move like you were beforehand. But you look taller, which I guess is... Good. If you're, I guess you're insecure about your height, but it's insane to me. That I think the surgeries are starting out at 250k. Nathan, how, how much? <laughs> Nathan's behind the glass. If, if Nathan, first off, Nathan's a, a tall ass guy. <laughs> he wears a if, size 17 if, shoe. If, if he had limb lengthening surgery, uh, he'd be uh, casting the remake of the Princess Bride. We don't have to worry <laughs> about that. Time. Again, Nathan has a 17 <laughs> shoe, folks. So Nathan's a big fella. But but the money that they're spending is nuts. It's not worth it. There's no way. It it, it isn't worth uh. Mark or Lee dropping 250k to to see what the uh, weather feels like up where you're at. <laughs> no, 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 no one should. Well, and see nowadays they have these like shoes, right? That they inside the shoe it looks like a regular sneaker or it looks like a regular boot. You wouldn't even be able to tell. But inside the shoe it's actually a five inch high heel. And so you got dudes out here wearing five inch heels, but you would never know the difference because on the outside it just looks like a flat shoe. And they can still run. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And you they can, can still run. run. And walk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, my man Nathan with a 17 size shoe, big fella. You know, and and we, like I said, you'll never know what it's like. I know Nick and I will never know what it's like to be six eight, six nine. But you think about Manute Bowl and George Murison and the yep. and the guys that are seven six and seven seven and seven five. It, it's got to be uncomfortable for them, but you have people actually breaking their tibia and fibulas mm -hmm. to become taller. Well, and you also got to think, so you got like this like insecure 25-year-old guy who's just got way too much money, and he wants to boost up his Tinder profile, I guess, right? He wants to put that six in front of his height instead of a five, whatever you want to do. But then you got to think in your future. You're 40 now. You're 50 now. You're putting on weight. You're not exercising maybe like you were. I don't know how those now five-inch longer legs are going to hold up for you at that point in your life. There's no way that they're going to hold up for you. I mean, again, they're, they're shattering your tibia and your fibula to make you taller, to add inches to your height. Yeah. That is absurd to me. Like sitting courtside when you see some of the money, not just for the seats, but the work that has been done. And, again, you know, if you could work on somebody's game, of course, if I had the money, I would need all the money that, that I could pay to, to work on my basketball game at 45 years old, right? But 
I, I just that that factor is amazing. And, and to look, me, Nick. like, look, if if you got insecurities and you have the money to get a cosmetic type surgery done to eliminate it, look, that's on you. If you can afford it, that's fine. But like, if you get a nose job, you can still smell. Facts. If you get a butt job, <laughs> you well, can about, still see. Think about flying. Think about flying. You're paying $250,000 to be more uncomfortable while you're flying. <laughs> hey, with that type of money that you're paying, you better have your own jet. <laughs> That's you, true. You hey, better be able to afford ma- first maybe, class on your own. Maybe it's someone who's like going to the fair and going to Disney World, and they're like never quite tall enough to ride that ride. And so now they're trying to uh, get past that or something. I don't know. <laughs> someone in the app says after that game last week, you'll be spending a lot of money improving your basketball hey, game. I, I'm with you still, Ty. We need to get him a personal trainer or something, <laughs> a shooting coach, something, something. Him and Michael. <laughs> Top of the hour, we'll bring you NBA action. Of course, we have NFL schedule drop tonight. Tom Brady being welcomed back to New England. We'll talk about all that and more. The over-under on college football games with the SEC teams. All that in the second hour of the final drive coming up. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome back to our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And want to thank John Harbaugh for jumping in with us during the first hour. Of course, Coach Harbaugh, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, coming to Mobile, Alabama to speak next week at Team Focus's event and fundraiser, along with Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide. He'll be on the opening kickoff tomorrow with Mark Lee and Triple G as he was not able to make it this morning, but Kevin Steele will definitely be on tomorrow morning but coach Harbaugh if you missed the John Harbaugh interview with Nick Wiggins and I at 3 30 we will run that one back at mm-hmm. 5 30 so so you nice. definitely so nice we had to play it twice without question 5 30 John Harbaugh will be talking faith family and football again here with Triple G, G and myself and Michael Bronner on vacation this week Nathan running the boards and taking the phone calls for us. 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us and get in touch with us. Of course, we always love when you chime in on the app. Last hour, we wanted to know who is the greatest football player that you had ever seen. And, of course, Triple G says Julio Jones would, would be that dude for him. And for me, it was Lawrence Taylor. And we had people chime in to say everybody from Jerry Rice, some people Jim Brown, Emmitt Smith. But, you know, whether you think it's offensive or defensive side of the football, chime in on the app. Who is the greatest football player that you have seen of all time? Now, Tecmo Bowl-wise, it's Bo Jackson. Sure. Tecmo Bowl. Hey, if we're talking Madden, then we're talking Michael Vick. And and he was unreal. He was just doing stuff that was – Cheat code. 
He he put the the cheat code in cheat code right. when it came out of playing. Boosted up it, it, with ninety nine across the boards. You yeah. couldn't create anybody that was better than Michael Vick growing up in the video games. And when you play NBA Live, when I was growing up on Sega Genesis, you would create these players, or you would see NBA Jam. You would have the greatest Ooh, of all time, <laughs> and I loved NBA Jam. And that's one of the greatest games. Ever when you start looking as far as what you can do, double dribble is another classic, even though you couldn't see the graphics in their face and That's they right. have made up teams. Double dribble was one of those games that I loved growing up as far as from a basketball standpoint and some great series that are going on right now. And all, all three, two, man. The, what, well, what is it about? I love to see seven game series because we yeah. saw it in round one with Curry going for 50 Yep. In game seven yep. and tucking in Sacramento. But New York stays alive last night at home in the garden. Three to two is that series, of course. And we just mentioned the Golden State Warriors now trailing three games to two, having to go back to L.A. And will it be a situation to where Anthony Davis he, he gets hit upside the head. He goes off. They wheeled him out of there. Wheeled man. him. Literally wheeled him out in a wheelchair. Not, that was not a hard hit on the head. Anthony Davis, you got to be tougher than that. Um, I don't know what's up with him, man. There's some soft There's some soft bigs over there in the West. Anthony Davis, DeAndre Ayton, George Carl coming out today and just calling DeAndre Ayton weak. Um, I don't know, man, but look. I said this on the Double Team Podcast with Root. We said this last week. LeBron is that type of guy who's conscious of his legacy. He knows how many times Steph Curry has beat him. And look, I'm a big LeBron guy, and the only time Steph has beat him was when he either had Kevin Durant or LeBron didn't have any help. But here they are in, like, even circumstance, right? Yeah. Steph's not over there on, like, a super team again. LeBron's got Anthony Davis. He's got some role players that he can work with. So knowing that there was no excuse, it was like LeBron knew, I have got to win this series. But then last night I'm watching LeBron, and he ain't really moving that well. He's, he's kind of li- really uh, struggling to get up and down the court. He, he looked like that dad, like you and your friends when you're all little kids playing basketball and you need one more guy. Can you're he like, be a hey. one-legged goat? <laughs> I hope so. But it's like when, when when you get your dad to come play basketball with you, and the dad's like, I'm going to let the kids have fun and just pass <laughs> it to y'all, but I'm just going to stand here. That's what LeBron was doing last night. Like that game, even though they were down like 10, 12, 15 throughout that whole game, it felt so uh, close where they could reach it, they could win. But LeBron just kept being passive, giving it to D'Lo. He dribbled it off his foot, giving it up to Schroeder, and he'd just turn it over. I'm like, LeBron, lock in, go up there and do something. And I'm thinking, so remember, earlier in the season, <laughs> LeBron had that foot injury. That's why he was out. Every doctor he went to, they said, LeBron, you need to have surgery on your foot. LeBron, you need to have surgery on your foot. But then the one doctor, the LeBron James of feet, <laughs> As per LeBron, <laughs> he said, nah, man, you don't need the surgery. I think you're going to be fine. So LeBron went with that. And now we're watching LeBron, and he don't look like he's moving like LeBron's supposed to move. So I said, there's no way in this universe that LeBron would let Steph Curry beat him in this series if there wasn't an excuse. Now all of a sudden you got day-to-day Davis 
coming in and out, barely getting up and down day the court. Day. And now maybe LeBron, if somehow Steph does win this game in LA and they go to seven and they the Warriors upset them, now it's Man, I was actually playing through this really bad injury. There was a reason I wasn't moving out there. See, I feel like LeBron thinks like that. You know, am I am I, am I crazy here? I, I I think that if you're setting yourself up, the down three one, the Warriors have already said, "Look, we've made history before, so we're going to continue to make history and come back." Whether you have a healthy Davis, whether you have a healthy LeBron. It's not going to matter because the Warriors feel they're going to win the series. I wanted to go seven games and may the best team win. Now, if you don't, I think Davis is going to play tomorrow night. I really do. I think he's going to play. And I think LeBron can give you anywhere from 25 to 35 just because he's LeBron. Now, here's the factor. If the Lakers get behind or there's no energy from the crowd or the Warriors take – the energy away from the crowd early, you'll see LeBron sit in the second half. You, you, you're talking about load management at yeah. its finest. If that game comes anywhere from 18 to 20 points, LeBron and Davis are going to sit. And then you're just looking for a seventh if, game. If the Lakers don't win in L.A. in their next game, they're not winning in Golden State. Because, see, up to this point when they were up 3-1, everyone was like, wow, Lonnie Walker, a hidden gem. Wow, Austin Reeves, he's really him. Rui Hachimura, man, what a steal that they got him from Washington. I was watching him last night, and I'm like, LeBron, why are you letting all these bums take these shots? You and Anthony <laughs> Davis need to lock in and play hard. Like, because that game was so – they could have made six six shots. They were six shots away from tying that game. And they just were turning it over, playing so sloppy. And the Warriors are a sloppy team in and of itself. You let you let Draymond Green get twenty. That that's like letting that that would be the equivalent of Nikola Jokic scoring ninety. Draymond getting twenty. Well, well, here's my thing. Lonnie Walker, the fourth, came off had that fifteen point fourth quarter, and people were saying, "Who who is this guy?" Same thing when you look at Vanderbilt. He's a starter for the Lakers and gives you a goose egg. How do you start He's unplayable. 11 minutes and gives you a goose egg? And I just don't understand the inconsistency that some of these players give. And I'm, I'm, I love Steph and Clay, right? But what is Clay Thompson giving the Golden State Warriors right now? The man scored 10 points last night. And he's one of the most prolific scorers and shooters in the history of the game. And this series, you're waiting for him to have that game. Is it going to be game six? Is it going to be game seven? Because if the Warriors lose, you want to talk about the excuses that the Lakers can make. What about Clay? Clay Thompson loves a game six. Clay Thompson loves a game six. I I don't know, man. Like, I am the biggest. I, I will preach the gospel of LeBron till my face turns blue. I love LeBron. You say he's the GOAT. I think he's – I say I say he's the GOAT. I believe he's the GOAT. He is the GOAT. Well, and you I, you disagree. You're Jordan. I, I, guy, I'm, right? I'm a Jordan guy. See, here's my argument for that, and this is totally off topic, but Michael Jordan was a great scorer, highest point-per-game average in NBA history. Guy had a 15-year career. 
went to the finals six times, won six times. The other nine years, competitive basketball, the couple in Washington, whatever. Elite player, elite scorer. Great at what he does. But when you say greatest basketball player of all time, I think it's got to be a guy who's great at everything. LeBron, all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Undisputable. He's up there in assists. His rebounds are up there. He's basically in every statistical category that you can count in basketball. In the playoffs, in the regular season, he's in the top ten. But if you can do that, Nick, during the regular season, when it comes down to making eight straight finals, if you're the GOAT, then eat. You, you can't lose if you're the GOAT. Please tell me what you think would have happened if Michael Jordan and the Bulls, in their prime, 1995, 1996, when I was just an embryo, <laughs> what would he have done against that Warriors team with Kevin Durant? Please tell me. It would have been a seven-game series. It would have been a seven-game series. Okay, and then who ends up winning at the end? Chicago Bulls. All right, Corey, you're They've tripping. They've got MJ. You're tripping. They've got MJ. No way, dude. There's no way. Who who was the toughest team Jordan faced? The Detroit Pistons. In the finals. In the finals. Well, can you, you look at, Can you imagine if LeBron was coming down the court and looking at John Stockton? A double team would be coming. A double team would have to come. A double team definitely would have to come. I just, I, I struggle with saying LeBron being the GOAT can't take anything away from his scoring ability and what he's been able and the level at which he's been able to play for 20 years. I just struggle with when you make it to eight straight finals and that's hard enough to do whether you put a team on your back or not. But you you go from being the goat to the piggyback now. So you go from eating grass to eating slop and out the trough to me because you made it there. How how did you get there? By yourself? Were the teams that beat LeBron in the finals that much better than LeBron? Yes. Because remember, he didn't have Kevin Love or Kyrie, and Golden State beat him. And you also got LeBron, he has beaten the best team in NBA history, the 73-9 and Warriors. Then you take that best team in NBA history and you add Kevin Durant to it? That broke the NBA. That broke the NBA. <laughs> that, that was illegal. That should have been illegal. And Michael Jordan, he's playing against Utah a couple of times. He's playing against Charles Barkley and the Suns. He's, play, like, he's playing against old, old man Magic Johnson at the very end of his Gary career. Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. I just don't. LeBron has had to go through the toughest roads to his success than any NBA player has ever had I to go through. I won't argue about the toughest road to his success, okay, because I will say this. The 80s and the early 90s, totally different because of the physicality and what was allowed by the officials. Mm -hmm. they, they allowed you to knock the hell out of each other in the 80s and the 90s. And what's a foul today, there's no way it's a foul in the 80s or 90s. So the game has changed because of it. And, and LeBron has taken advantage of the opportunity for the game to change in a scorer's 
Same thing if MJ would have played in the same era where the rules had already been changed to favor or score. But LeBron's definitely on the Mount Rushmore, without question. But to be considered the GOAT, he would probably be my GOAT. And and it, it would change for me had he not made it to the finals and continued to lose. Now, if he's able... See, it's like, how? why do we knock him for going to the finals and losing? Because it's the pinnacle to be the greatest. Jordan, Jordan didn't even get there. Didn't get where? He to went the there finals? six times and he won six times. What about the other nine years? He didn't even get there. LeBron's it, always there. LeBron's thirty, about to be 39. He's a, he might get there this year. Here's the thing. When you do get there and you're able to get over that hump, LeBron got over that hump when he got there, right? He took the Cavs there. Unbelievable. Took the Heat there. Has been able to take the Lakers there. So he's able to take them there. But to get to the promised land and to stay in the promised land, that's the problem I have with LeBron. Staying there. Now, if he would have won half of those championships, getting there eight, winning six of eight. What is he, four of ten? Not too shabby. That's not, almost not bad. Half. That's so close. Not to bad. Half. That's so not, close. Not to bad. Half. So close. <laughs> not bad. So look, LeBron retires in three years, right? Four years maybe. He has every NBA record you can think. <laughs> He's top three in every NBA category. He's got the most all NBA teams, most all star appearance, most everything, most this, most that, most that. At the end of the day, is it always going to come to six rings? No, it, it's still going to come to who transformed the game, man. I, I love the fact that MJ was able to transform the culture and the game of the basketball. The way he did it was global. LeBron James, of course, is a billionaire, and he's global too. So definitely those two guys, you know, you and I can, can sit and talk about it and argue about it another four or five days no, consecutively for, for sure. because – of the greatness of both of those. And I'm just happy to say that I've been able to witness some of the greatest basketball players of all time in my era. Before we go to break, where do you rank LeBron? If you don't say two, he, he's going to be a guy in the studio the rest of the he's show. Gonna, he, he is, he is going to be two for me. Okay. LeBron James is going to be two for me. All right. All he, right. He, like I say, he's on the Mount Rushmore for sure. Okay. He's going to he's gonna be number two for me because MJ and then LeBron. I, I, I won't let you take that away from LeBron or myself. I'll give LeBron pl pl plenty of props there. All right. All right. The final drive <laughs> on WNSP 105.5 Triple G. Nick Wiggins and Corey LeBounty joining you this afternoon. Hi, this is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to the final drive. Michael Bronner's on vacation this week, so Nathan's doing a wonderful job handling the telephone calls and getting us in and out of our break. So I want to definitely give him his props as Nick Wiggins, Triple G, sits in with me today. Sir. Darren Patterson will be in with me tomorrow, but we were talking and debating Nick Wiggins and I, of course, LeBron versus Jordan and the NBA playoffs that are going on right now. The series Boston at Philadelphia, three games to two, that, Denver the, at Phoenix, three to two. Boston, Philadelphia has been my favorite series so far. I know Lakers, Warriors is getting a lot of the love, you know, the biggest names, LeBron Curry, but just when it comes to hoops, 
and like what it means in the East because this is to me the conference finals. I don't think Miami or New York ever gets out of there really has a shot against Boston or Philly. And I think Boston and Philly know that too. And that's why e each game is so intense, low scoring, grinding it out. Two James Harden game winners in one series. Who you Philly's up three two. Philly's up three two. Who 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 do you got? Boston in seven. No way. <laughs> no. Boston in seven. That can't happen. Joe Mazzula doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> well, he, the two Joe time Mazzula outs. Appro approach coaching how you approach hooping. <laughs> you look lost out there. <laughs> Help that man. <laughs> Dude's going to, through overtime, pocketing two timeouts for the next game. What's he thinking? They don't get a shot off. They will. They will wind up redeeming themselves in Philly. In Philly, because Harden coming off. 45 in game one. Harden coming off 42 or 43 in game four. Yeah. Great game in he, game he's, five. He's not, he's not going to show up again. He's not going to give you 40 again. He Embiid, didn't have to. Embiid is not. You're, you're, you'll get maybe 16 from Harden, and you'll get 30 or How 35 assists, from Embiid. Though? Harden? Yeah, that's I, what I, I'm going to say he'll he, probably about seven assists. See, you get you get Harden going efficiently. See, that's another thing. He only took eight shots. He's efficient with his 16 points. So he'll get 16 and 10, but that means Tobias Harris, oh, all of a sudden he's having a 15-point game. Oh, Tyrese Maxey's all of a sudden he's got 20. And now you add all that up, Boston can't compete with that because Jason Tatum, hello, where are you? Where has that guy been? He's coming to life. He don't game look good. Game six. He's coming to life. Him and Brown both, they're, they're coming mm. to life. I think Jason Tatum is just Brandon Ingram in a better situation. No, Tatum, yep. Tatum, Tatum is is that healthy elite guy. I think that at this time of year, everybody has those little nagging injuries, right? You have those injuries, whether you're LeBron or AD or you're you're you look at the Miami Heat, Oladipo out, Hero out. You look at Butler playing on a bad ankle. You have so right. many players. For different teams, KD's not 100% healthy. I don't think anybody at this point in time in the playoffs is 100% healthy. And because of that, that's where you see those struggles. But game sevens, to me, you will see a game seven in this Boston-Philly series. You'll see a game seven in this Denver-Phoenix series. No. And whether CP3 is out, to me, I think the Suns play better without CP3. And that's crazy because that's a Hall of Fame point guard. Yes. That you're better when he's not playing. Now, whether it's just against this team that you're matched up with, right. I think it just has to do with the team that you're matched up with from the series standpoint. Because overall, if Phoenix survives... They need CP3 to win a world championship. You, you think Phoenix will go get past Denver, or you think they're just going to force seven? Phoenix is going to win in seven. Corey, no way. Look, Devin Booker went on a two-game stretch where he was scoring 40 points a game, shooting 80% from the field, right? Kevin Durant's getting 30. Landry Shamit, who the heck is that random guy? I haven't seen <laughs> him in a while. He's getting you 20 off the bench. Now, I'm telling you all this. If I said all that, all that efficiency, all that scoring, you think, man, I bet Phoenix won that game by 30. No, dude, they're barely winning by like three, four, five points. So they have to play perfect, 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 picture perfect to barely win by two or three points. And then on Denver's side, if they're playing perfect, they just won by 20. Does Jokic 
And Murray, so with you feeling that Denver's going to win this series, do they win at all? Yeah. Denver wins it all. The Nuggets bringing a so. world championship to the Mile High City. I think so. And look, what was the one thing we've always we've nagged Nikola Jokic on? The reason we may not have given him MVP this year. Prove it to us. You got right. the awards. We can't put you in that three-time MVP upper echelon of all-time greats, all-time greats, until you prove that you can have success. And I think this is the year that he does it. I mean, he he's doing things that they're becoming. We're becoming numb to his greatness. It's becoming so normal. He goes out and gets fifty-one and thirteen, and we're like, "Oh, that was a pretty good game." Jokic. <laughs> like, what what world do we live in now? Nikola Jokic is so amazing. Y he's unstoppable. He's so big, you can't defend him. If you double him, he's gonna immediately hit that guy. He's the best passer in the league, and the way the matchups are going. Especially with DeAndre Ayton being basically punked out of Phoenix. He ain't going to be there next year. If they match up with Steph and the Warriors, if somehow they get past LeBron in L.A., no contest. It ain't going to happen. He, that might be a sweep. He is an elite passer without question. And league's best, I, I think that's a stretch. He gives you a triple-double, points, rebounds, and assists. Without question, he can give you a quadruple-double if he needs to. But the big man has vision. And Kevin Durant said it the other day. It's uncanny, and the way he shoots the ball is one that you're like, that that shot's not going in, swish. Okay? And then you look at it again, that, I'll give him that, swish. And next thing you know, he's already scored 20 in the first half, and you're trying to find a way to slow him down on the back half. Now, do I think the Denver Nuggets have enough to win it all? I don't because, again, I think the Suns defeat them in seven I love seven-game series when it's all on the line. So, and th and those are both of the games that are tonight. Three Philly and two, and uh, and the Denver game. Correct. I'm saying that they both those teams close it out. Philly ends that series tonight. Denver ends that series tonight, and you're thinking the complete opposite. Absolutely, the All seven right. games right. on both of them, <laughs> and, and tomorrow morning the the show will be on, and we'll have an opportunity to discuss it. And I and look, y are you making the triple G guarantee right here I, on the final drive? I I only make a guarantee when I get guarantee, and I see the future. I know it's going to happen. Okay, okay. All right, so fair I enough. I can't make that guarantee. Fair enough. I. I did guarantee on the morning show that Philly would be in the finals. Okay. All right. So if Philly's in the finals, that's a guarantee. So I have Boston beating Philly tonight to extend that to seven. So we'll debate that. And, again, the first, second all-NBA team, I know the media votes. Man, I got some issues with that, man. But John ja Morant, when I say that name, we know he had his off-the-court issues yep. this season. But do your off-the-court issues – keep you from becoming an all-NBA first-teamer, I can give you 32 million reasons why Ja Morant is really, really upset right now. Yep. His agent is really, really upset right now. 32 million reasons Ja Morant feels that he should be a first-team all-NBA player. The final drive coming right back. This is Jason Caffey. Thank you for listening to WNSP 105.5 FM.
Welcome back to the final drive. Corey Labounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you this afternoon. Michael Bronner continued to enjoy his vacation. And, of course, when my man Triple G sits in, we're going to talk NBA basketball and the playoffs. And no, no matter how you look at it, Nick, whoever you think the GOAT is, whether it's LeBron, Jordan, a lot of the discussions always at the end of the postseason play come down to the first and second team All-NBAers. And the first team All-NBA squads Ooh. were announced last night. And let, let, the, let the listeners, let the people <laughs> in on who was first team All-NBA. Well, the best player in the NBA is not on there, but it's Joel Embiid, Giannis, Luca, Jason Tatum, and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Who? <laughs> yeah, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Now look, he had an awesome year. This is a guy who plays for OKC. He was part of that Paul George trade with the Clippers. Shea Gilgis is awesome, but what does it mean for the NBA and the NBA, All NBA teams when? Two of your guys on that All-NBA team didn't even make the playoffs, and one didn't even get the play-in, and he was able to play with Kyrie. So seeing that, Luka as All-NBA first team, the way that Luka plays basketball and the way that the team revolves around him, he's always going to average 30, 10, and 10 just about. He always will no matter what. If they're the first seed, if they're the 12th seed, he's always going to average 30, 10, and 10. So here he is in a catastrophic, horrible, worst-case scenario year with an all-star teammate, and he's all-NBA first team. What that says to me is Luka just going to be all-NBA every year of his career, and it doesn't matter if his team wins or loses. That's what's apparent as, as far as this voting is concerned because – let the listeners know who was second team All-NBA. The best player in the NBA, Nikola Jokic. Then you got Stephen Curry, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown, and Donovan Mitchell. That one, I'm, I don't really have that many issues with. I, I do think Jokic. Here's, I think even though Embiid's the MVP, it's like Jokic should be first team and Embiid should be second team. Um, I don't know if you can even do it like that. but And then to wrap it up, the third team. And I have a little issue here. Darren Fox, Damian Lillard, who also didn't even get close to the play-in. Hello. <laughs> Julius Randle, uh, Sabonis, and then LeBron James. Third team All-NBA. You want to hear a hot take, Corey? Hey, how old is LeBron? 38. Okay. I don't think LeBron should have been on an All-NBA team this year. He should have been omitted. I think so. He for the he first time in his career. He didn't play that many games this year. He had a pretty average year. I mean, they made the, uh, they barely made the playoffs. They got in, but see, you can only base things off what have happened before. Last year, Trey Young, thirty points, ten assists. His team makes the play-in. He didn't have, he didn't have Dejounte Murray out there last year. He didn't have anyone with him out there last year. Thirty and ten, they make the play-in. They get to the playoffs. Does he make an All-NBA team? No. Empty stats. Then you have Damian Lillard. Yes, he played amazing, but they didn't. They were the 12th seed, 13th seed. Luka, he doesn't have help. They gave him Kyrie. They don't do anything. <laughs> Shea Gilgis-Alexander, yes, he's on a young team. They're the 10th seed. Maybe they wouldn't have won a single game if he wasn't there, but they didn't, do, they didn't have any success. 
Where is James Harden? Where's the league leader in assists in the NBA on the best team in the East right now? Where's he at? I I don't get it. It's like it's like they have the goal post and for certain players they just keep moving it. They keep moving it. And that's what's frustrating when you look at the votes. Because I, I'm not really one to where I Ja Morant, because he is not on this list. Mm-hmm. Missed out on $32 million worth of bonuses. Yep. $32 million, Ja Morant. Now, it's his money. Whatever he chooses to spend it on, that's his business, right? But he could have a lot more fun with an extra $32 million. Sure. And I I find Those it hard. Would love that. Man, <laughs> I find it. And he could turn his house into a club. And, and, and break give, off plenty of ones. He, he can give back for sure. But, Nick, John Morant, you can't tell me that he should not be on the second or third team on this list Who this year. Who are you year. booting off? Damian Lillard. Boot. Damian Lillard. Is, is who I'm going to get rid of. I can't take away from what De'Aaron Fox yeah. was able to no, accomplish with the sure. Kings. So I'll give Fox his flowers in regards to what he was able to do for the Sacramento Kings franchise. Damian Lillard, though, even though 32 points, four rebounds, seven assists, he's either got to go or Sabonis has to go. 32, four, and seven. Listen to that stat line you said, 32, 4, and 7. Yep. They were the 13th seed, I believe. Just That's outside. one of the worst teams in the West. There's only 15 teams in each conference. Trey Young, 30 and 10, and he's making the playoffs. He gets no love. Why? Why? I need a reason why. I don't understand it. So he got snubbed. Where would you put Trey Young? Would you put him a third-teamer? I don't I think I would put James Harden in over him this year. Okay. And see the thing is it's right now and next year it's going to be different. Right now it's positioned. Next year the All-NBA teams are going to become positionless. So all of a sudden you have Jokic and Embiid both on the All-NBA first team if that's how we if if what they're going to do next year was this year. And then you can have more guards on there because there's so many forward spots. I think maybe you put Trey or uh, James Harden over uh Julius Randle potentially um but you know it's so tough because you got to take one out to put one in mm-hmm. but i just don't understand the it's like some years we say oh you have to win and have success and then it's other years it's like oh actually but for these guys you don't because it like like i just said the way that it's looking now luka Doncic can be all nba first team with an all-star teammate and not even make the play-in game. Therefore, if we are just taking what we see here and just continue with this same way of thinking for the future, if dude plays 25 years, he's going to be All-NBA 25 straight years. Here's my question about MVP awards, and I don't care whether it's in the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, the Major League. Should you have a games restriction? Should you have have to have played more than half of your teams, let's say 82-game season well, in the NBA, well, ne- you play 40, 45 games. That is nowhere near enough. Next year, they're making it. You cannot win 
an award. You cannot make an All-NBA team. You cannot get any accolade unless you have played 65, no, 64 games. That's a, that's a lot. That was 70% of a team's games. Yes. At least 70% of your franchise's game in order to be eligible for any type of MVP award. Yes. That I think that is fair. That's a fair assessment there, having 70%. Because when you look at— But there's always going to be that guy. There's going to be that guy one day where he played 63 games, you know, and he averaged 35, 12, and 11, and his team was the second seed in the NBA. And it's like, oh, he totally deserves it. But he was just like one game back from that mark. So that's going to happen. Maybe not next year, but in the future, that scenario will uh, will arise. But see, as as management or as agents, if you know that— there's a 70% threshold, whether it's in Major League Baseball or hockey mm -hmm. or whatever the situation may be to where you're voting for most valuable players or all conference or all team performers, first team, second team, third team. You know, man, look, I'm, I'm only five games short. Let me go ahead and dress out tonight. Because that's the difference in between $32 million that's in right. my contract. That's right. But see, now we're about to see a new form of load management where, oh, yeah, Kawhi is playing. Oh, but he actually is just playing the first four minutes of the game, and then we don't <laughs> see him again. Like, we're, we're all of a sudden, people are going to find a way to, to work that system. Well, I mean, Mark Cuban did it to a T. I mean, the Mavericks had a chance to make the playoffs, right. and Luka sits down. The ultimate load management. Now, Credit for him dressing out and wanting to play. But at that point in time, I'm going to management and saying, all right, that's where the voters, if you're going to be and have credibility as a voter and given that responsibility to cause to be able to call someone thirty two billion dollars, that's when you know, all right, well, their restrictions are not only do you have to play 70 percent of your team's games, but if it's a 40-minute game or if it's a 60-minute game or if it's a nine-inning game, you have to play or be a position player for at least five innings yeah. out of 70% of your games. Sure. So now there's like a minute average. There you go. You yeah. start putting numbers to things, just yeah. like you're putting 70% of a schedule being played. You're putting numbers. They understand the dollar amount to the numbers. They're going to make sure they collect on their $32 million That's right. by knowing that I need to play X amount of minutes in order to be eligible or X amount of innings in order to be eligible for this 30 or $40 million bonus. The final drive on WNSP 105.5, Nick Wiggins and Corey Labonte. We'll be right back. WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty along with Nick Wiggins this Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow, Darren Patterson will be joining me. But at 5.30 this afternoon, if you didn't get a chance to check out that 3.30 John Harbaugh interview, of course, Coach Harbaugh being the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, Faith, Family, Football, all of that was covered with Nick Wiggins and I earlier this afternoon, so you don't want to miss that replay of that interview at 5.30 coming up here on WNSP 105.5. And as we were talking with Coach Harbaugh and the NFL schedule being dropped officially tonight with all the games, we were looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars and what's going on with them and them playing a couple of games in London 
this season. And it looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2025 and 2026 could be looking for somewhere to play all of their home games. And wouldn't it be interesting to see the Jaguars have home games in London, the capacity of over 90,000? And, you know, Jacksonville, they always are in London. This is the first year they're having two games in London back-to-back. So I, it makes a lot of sense. I know that the NFL wants to go global, but I just feel like that flight, that time change, having one team kind of landlocked there and adjusted to it and everyone else not, that just gives them such an advantage. Like they might almost be undefeated at home if they did have to play in London for a whole season. Well, when you're looking at why the Jaguars would have to play somewhere in 25 and 26, it's because the Jack, the city of Jacksonville wants to keep the Jaguars there. They want a franchise, but they know that that stadium that they're currently in needs renovations, and it will take two years to renovate TIAA Bank Field undergoing those renovations in 25 and 26 now the question is if you don't take it to london your home games you can go to camp world stadium in orlando it only holds 60 you could go to gainesville and play on the florida gators field it holds 88 Mm -hmm. you could play at florida state's dope campbell stadium it holds 80 much closer than London, England, for yes, sure. Very much so, so. If you're looking for a place to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars fan base, you know, going to London again, ticket sales, you'll be able to hold more at 90. But I think from an overall true fan base to have season ticket holders for life for the Jacksonville Jaguars since they've come into or originating as a franchise. You would want it to be somewhere in the state of Florida. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the owner, uh, Shamir Khan, is this Shamir Shahur, something like that? The reason that Jacksonville is always in London, he owns a football club, the mm. other type of football, soccer, over in London. Because, you know, I always thought it was confusing. Why are we going all the way over there? You know, the <laughs> NBA is just right there in Canada. Yeah. The MLB is just right there in Canada. But the NFL, they're like, no, we're actually going to hop all the way across the pond. Yeah, we're going. Uh, and, and and that I don't really understand. They played a game in Mexico City last year. Yes, it was. A couple times. Um, But, I mean, look, the London fans, they show out. They pack that stadium out every every game. You know, you wake up. It's like 730 in the morning. Football is starting Now, early. that part I do love. Yeah, I love the uh, yeah. fact that as soon as you open your eyeballs, you're ready for some NFL action. That's right. You don't have to wait till noon. You don't have to wait till 1130. The pregame is already on at 6 o'clock in the a.m., yep. and they're kicking off by 8 o'clock a.m. Now, I, again, if I'm a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, I don't want to have to see my franchise for two consecutive years in 25 and 26 go over to London. Maybe for a couple of games, I understand that. that. That's what, three years in the future? 25, 26. That's going to be, you know, prime time height of his powers, Trevor Lawrence at that point, right? It is. I mean, because you look at what he was able to accomplish this year. Able to take a franchise and... They took them number one for a reason, but they're building around them. And I think that Tank Bigsby having an opportunity to continue to enhance that franchise, I think that... And and now they got Calvin Ridley. Staying healthy. And Ridley having a year off to to get his thoughts and to bet on himself instead of betting against 
anyone or the competitors in the NFL, I think that Jacksonville can can really become a contender. Now, Mark Brunel contender to where you have a knocking on the Super Bowl's door. Possibly that's what you drafted Trevor Lawrence to do and, yeah. and where you want him to take you. That's where he took Clemson. Now, is Clemson the NFL? No, it's not. But Trevor Lawrence has proven that he's continued to get better as a quarterback. He's that but guy. He's that guy. 25 and 26, the Jacksonville Jaguars possibly going and relocating to either London or Orlando, Tallahassee, or Gainesville. If you're a Jacksonville Jaguar diehard fan, where do you want to see your franchise play at least six or seven games? Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I mean I and just speaking this year on the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't know what their over under is uh for games won this season, but they're gonna play the Titans twice. I, I would bet that one time it's with Tannehill and one time it's with Will Levis. They're gonna play the Colts twice. I don't think they're gonna be that good. And then Who's the other team in that division that I'm You got missing? the Jaguars, the Titans, the Colts, and the Texans. The Texans. Yeah, they're going to be horrible. No wonder I forgot about them. Uh, Jacksonville, they might win They might win 12, 13 games. Nine and eight a year ago. Nine and eight a year ago. And so now you got Calvin Ridley. The, the improvement to 11 games would be great for Trevor Lawrence. But I still I hate the fact that you're having to upgrade the stadium, and it's going to take two years away from the fans that are in Jacksonville. That Two years, right. that's tough to swallow there. The final drive on WNSP 105.5, an iconic college football legend, Tim Brando, joins us next here on the final drive. You don't want to miss it. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joined by Triple G, Nick Wiggins here on this Thursday afternoon. Of course, Michael Bronner on vacation this week. But Tim Brando is getting ready to join us here on the final drive. And, of course, Timmy B is how a lot of people know Tim Brando, of course, his world-famous line in basketball, the Iron Unkind. And I tell you, Tim Brando has been kind enough to join us. And, Mr. Brando, I will say this. Uh, about a week ago, I decided to come out of retirement 
and play a little two-on-two basketball with my co-host today. It was the morning mm-hmm. show, Markheim and Nick Wiggins versus myself and Michael Bronner. And I should have stayed retired, Timmy B, because the iron not only was unkind, I struggled to even hit it. <laughs> we got beat 11-0 to zero in a two-on-two oh. matchup. Oh, that's killer. Yeah, you need to just go ahead and retire to golf like I did a long time ago. There we go. I'm <laughs> going to continue to enjoy the exercise. You know, yes. Try some new irons. <laughs> exactly. That that iron will probably learn to be kinder to me. I'm going to turn it over yeah. to my grandfather's style the way you have because the grandchildren, again, don't hurt me as, as bad as my basketball game was. But wanted to have you today on WNSP in the final drive to thank you for your time and the great service that you've given. I believe in personally giving people their flowers while they're living and, again, being the voice of college football for so long, not only on ESPN, CBS, and now getting that great contract renewal with Fox Sports and just a a, a great voice for not only basketball and football, but sports in general when you look at your longevity that you've had in your radio career as well. Thank you. That's really nice of you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying my life now, I think, uh, more than ever. Uh, and I've been very blessed. Uh, you know, I, you know, you, you mentioned my resume and when you get to this stage of your career and you've been around almost 40 years, which this, uh, new contract, uh, renewal with Fox allows me to, to do, I, I'm, a, uh, it was important, uh, this time around because, to know what I'm going to be doing for the next three and a half years with the new contract starting in, um, in late August of this, this summer. Uh, it will get me past 70 years of age. It will get me past 40 years of, uh, of network television uh, coverage, which was important to me. You know, I, I, I got into the business and started calling games uh, for, for money with my dad when I was 14 years old in 1971 so uh in terms of when i actually started working games i've been in the business over 50 years but to get to that level and stay on it uh, albeit with four different networks over uh five decades uh, is 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 something i really wanted to achieve uh, i i feel like i've got my my fastball and my and some good action on my breaking ball still and and uh i'm not working as much as i used to but I'm working a lot when I want to work, which is during the football and basketball seasons. Those are my two sports that I'm most passionate about and I think I'm connected to the most. I'm still a big fan of, of other sports. I watch uh, a, a lot of everything. Um, wish I had done more golf in my career. Did do some. Wish I'd have done more. But I enjoy playing it more than calling it. So I'm getting to do a lot of that. And I'm spending more time with my family, with, with four grandchildren, um, uh, between the ages of two and six, and a wife of, uh, of uh, soon to be this fall, 45 years. So, you know, time and, um, and, and immediacy uh, in terms of what I want to do with my career is what matters. I'm not, I used to think long-term a lot. I don't anymore. I think about the here and now and what's right in front of me, and I've found that um, there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of joy that comes with that mindset, okay? And and to get to this point of my life has been a real blessing. Uh, hey, man, uh, congrats on all the success. This is Nick here uh, on the new yep. Fox contract. It's going to take you to uh, doing your 40 years 
on national TV. Now, I know you just renewed Fox. Now, I want to make sure you're not going to pull a Tom Brady now and, and just start doing other things. Uh, you're, you're not going to do a, a Brady or a Breeze, are you? <laughs> no. I, uh, they, they've got options. I don't. You know, this is all I can do. <laughs> uh, and I think that's probably one of the reasons that I, I have lasted this long, uh, Nick, is because uh, this really was all I, I knew how to do. Sure. And and I, I grew up at a time uh, in the business when you had to wear a lot of hats, you had to do a lot of different things, and I did do a lot of different things, a lot of different sports, 25 different sports at ESPN in the nine years I was there. Hell, I didn't know there were 25 different <laughs> sports when I started in this business, but I did them, and, um, but which is what you need to do when you're young is take on all opportunities. Uh the, the the time that I spent in the studio, I think, uh, was great for my um, versatility and my um, uh, ability to get hired uh, and, to, and to have as many different opportunities at, at four different major networks, um, starting with ESPN and then Turner and then CBS and now Fox. But I never really wanted to – it's funny, I never really appreciated uh, – uh, the work that I did in the studio, I was always trying really hard to get out of it. I just happened to be good at it. And when when I started hosting Game Day, the original Game Day in 1987, I, I, um, I, I acquired a, a reputation as being a, a really solid studio guy. But that was, uh, I think to some extent, it, it kind of stunted my growth as a play-by-player. And uh, until I left CBS and went to Fox, uh, I was probably more well-known for my studio work than I was my play-by-play, especially in football. So that's one of the reasons I think I've got so much um, uh, energy uh, and enthusiasm for the job at this stage of my life. People tell me, hey, you sound like you're young and you're, you're, you're excited like you're still a kid. And I, and I really am. And I think the reason for that is uh, I felt like I was playing catch-up in terms of uh, you know, getting to stadiums that I wanted to be in and never had been in, like the Rose Bowl or the Big House or the Old Horseshoe, you know, places uh, outside the South, because so much of my career was in the SEC, I had not been um, privy to some of those great, um, you know, cathedrals of college football in all, all other parts of the country, you know. I'd never been to a game at Outson Stadium in Eugene, Oregon. You know, I'd never been to a game at you know, when I got to Fox, I'd never done a game. I'd never done a college football game at the Coliseum, nor had I done a game at the Rose Bowl or the Horseshoe or the Big House. And now I've done them. And, um, you know, that's really – those are things I wanted to do, the, the achievements that I wanted to have in my uh, in my hip pocket. So uh, I, I can't believe it's been nine years uh, that we're starting our 10th year at Fox. I still get uh, people uh, saying to me, Gosh, Tim, when did you retire? And I'm like, huh? What do you mean? <laughs> you know, fans in the SEC, a lot of them don't know about anything other than SEC football, and they don't really click around. They don't use the uh, remote control quite as much as other fans do. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm still working. I'm over at Fox, uh, just a couple of channels over. You'll find me. Um, you know, but I, but I do love doing what I do in the places where I, where I get to go now. I had done a gazillion games in, in Tuscaloosa and then Athens, Georgia, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I, I was ready to see uh, 
you know, the sport at a, from another perspective and uh, still have great connections, obviously, to the South, still live in the South. Sure. And, uh, and want to. But, but I am absolutely um, uh, ecstatic about knowing that I'm going to continue to do this past my 70th birthday and the past 40 years in the business. In 2025, that'll mark the 40th anniversary. I started at ESPN in January of 1985 and uh and but when i get to that point at the end of the 26th season uh i i don't plan to stop uh, i don't I, I still think that there's a lot of tread left on my tires but if at that time i feel like i've slowed down or that my uh my fastball has lost a little bit of its uh of its juice then then i will step aside uh i, I would rather call my own shots and have somebody usher me to the to the door uh, themselves. So uh, this gives me that opportunity to to weigh all of those different things and then determine, you know, in three and a half years what I'm going to do, if anything, different. Speaking with Tim Brando, national sports commentator at Fox Sports, and here lately the DraftKings Sportsbook, and that's something that's gotten some coaches and some players and athletes into some trouble, but they gave the over-under of how the winds will shape up across the country. Let me know if right. you agree or disagree with this. Georgia at 11 and a half wins. Boy, that, that's probably, that schedule is so weak. I'm going to say I agree with that. Yeah, I don't see them losing a game, do you? I mean, it's uh, the schedule is laughable. Yeah. And, uh, it, but, but Alabama's had laughable schedules, too. Sure. Uh, with only with only eight conference games, uh, there's really you know you have a you have an easy non-conference schedule like that. Uh, I don't think Georgia necessarily will or, or should feel a need to apologize because of the setup. You know, it's not their fault. The league only plays the eight conference games, but but yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, there, last year at this time, by the way, since you're bringing these questions up. Last year, I thought the easiest under to take was on A&M, which I think was at six and a half, yeah. or seven, something like that. Maybe, no, it was more than that. It was like eight, eight and a half or nine. It was way up there. A&M was way overrated. Uh, and uh, LSU's was, 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 I think, six and a half. And I thought they were way underrated. Well, so I got those two right. And I think the best one, though, that jumped out was Kansas was one and a half. And I thought to myself, my God, one and a half. <laughs> I mean, the perception of them was so bad, and they've got a really good coach. And so, what they came out of the gates five and zero. Oh. So by week three, if you had taken the over on one and a half on Kansas, you were a wealthy man. So you said Texas A and M last year wasn't the easiest under that you saw. One of the yeah. How do you, what do you think? Yeah. They're, how are you feeling this year with them at seven and a half? Is that another easy under? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't see A and M making a very strong move in the West. Uh, they they might be closer to the number. You know, I could see them at seven and five. It's it's they would be teeter. That's a good number to have them at. Mm -hmm. You said seven and a half, right? So yes. Mm -hmm. Between seven and a half and eight. Yeah, they they could be either seven and five or eight and four. That's where I'd put them. Here's uh, one. Maybe maybe not a guaranteed bet. I I guaranteed last year the A and M would be under. I, I wouldn't do that against the number of seven and a half. No, I they could they could go over that. 
The Fighting Tigers of LSU are at nine and a half and Alabama at ten and a half. How do you like that possibly to decide the SEC West? Well, I think it will. And and I think LSU right now, uh, barring, again, it's we're, we're way out. Sure. Okay? We're way, way, way out. A lot of things can happen with injuries and, and the like. But right now, if those two teams were going to play early in the season, I'd pick LSU. I would. Uh, I, I think Alabama's 10.5 is more based on reputation than anything else. And I think LSU's 9.5 is just a clear reaction to you know, a 10-win season from a year ago, but they return a lot, and their quarterback room is a hell of a lot better off than Alabama's. Yeah. Um, if you if you flip-flop those and had LSU at 10.5 and, and Alabama at 9.5, I, I don't see I, I, my, my answer would be about the same, I think. Um, I, I believe both can win. Now, LSU does have the tough non-conference game at home to start with revenge on their mind. Against, excuse me, they play at Florida State, do they not? Yeah, they play... They play Florida State down in Florida this time, and that's a that's a game that they lost a year ago, and they've got to have revenge on their mind. They lost at home to LSU. Most people thought, oh my, uh, my friends down in Baton Rouge were you know ready to jump off the Mississippi River Bridge after that game, <laughs> and I remember telling them, hey, it's game one. I mean, give, I mean, Dan, think about Jaden Daniels then versus Jaden Daniels late. I mean, it was like, uh, I mean, it was. <laughs> He, he was, and I think clearly could be, uh, the best quarterback in the country this year. He certainly wasn't that in game one. They were just trying to get traction with him, you know, in that first game. So, uh, But other than that, I think LSU's schedule is uh, one that can be navigated. Now, the game this year with Alabama is in Tuscaloosa, but, you know, that series through the years, fellas, uh, winning on the other team's turf has not been as, as big of a problem uh, as as it would be for other SEC opponents, for both teams. Both teams have been successful at the other team's yard. Yeah, look, I'm with you, man. I think, you know, Brian Kelly was only out there one year. They had a lot of success. They're bringing a lot of people back. I think they're going to have a good year this year. But another team that I think is going to have a really good year this year, maybe not good year, but I guess maybe I'm high on, is Colorado with Deion Sanders out there now. They've got the over-under for them set. I'm kind of shocked by the number. I'm not even. I don't want to tell you the number. I want you to guess the number. <laughs> what do you think the I'm number is? Because, I'm going to guess because of the shocking system that he's put in play, and the negative reaction by many of the the, the so-called you know writing pundits mm-hmm. to his cutting. What it was a 20, 25 guys since the spring game. I'm going to say they've got it really, really low, like maybe two and a half, three and a half, something like that. It's three and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's not surprising, and I would take the over in a heartbeat. That's what I'm thinking. I, I'm going to take that he's too. Not, people, people, a lot of traditionalists, purists that that uh, in college football are throwing all kinds of dirt on Dion now, but he made no bones about what he had in mind, what he was going to do. I mean, the, you know, the university knew it. He he was he didn't, um, you know, he he. He was telling people the truth when he said, "Listen, I'm going to put something in place here that we got to turn this thing around. We got to do it quickly. Here's how I'm going to do it." And it has shocked and amazed a lot of uh, uh, holier than thou's in college football, that especially those that write about it. And uh, listen, I I don't think they'll have a winning season per se, but I, I you know five wins, 
easily. I, I, that league's not that tough. Yeah. Not. Yeah, I, I agree I mean, with you there. He'll get he'll get five wins somehow, some way. I, I, I think you're right at right at the number there for Deion Sanders and Tim Brando. I, I just love when you reach out to the mobile air area and the market, when you come down to speak to the youth and wanted you to be a, a part of WNSP's final drive this afternoon and congratulate you on your contract extension. and want you to continue to enjoy those grandbabies and the off season before <laughs> we get revved up here in September, because it'll be here before you know it. And Timmy B, I hope your irons on the golf course are kind to you, my friend, and always a pleasure to talk with you here on WNSP. Well, thank you. I'll be uh, I'll be down your way uh, a little over a week from now. I'm going to go down to Orange Beach, where we like to spend a lot of our time uh, in the late spring, and and I come back usually in the summertime too. So you you feel free to give me a buzz anytime between now and toe meeting leather. Will do. Tim Brando joining us this afternoon here on the final drive. When you have legends like Tim Brando and John Harbaugh with us, it doesn't get any better than the final drive. John Harbaugh, that interview that we had at 3.30 will be coming up next. You don't want to miss Faith, Family, and Football that John Harbaugh talked about with us from a Baltimore Ravens standpoint. Coming up next here on WNSP 105.5 and the final drive. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM. Triple G, we have John Harbaugh, who we talked to earlier today at 3.30, Faith, Family, Football, and then a lot more included in this jam-packed interview. That's right, man. We, we talked about everything. We talked Odell. We talked the new Lamar contract. We talked about his family life. We talked about the potential for this season we we got into it all i look maybe i'm biased but this might be the best interview it was it was outstanding t martin included in the interview yep. along with ozzy newsome yes. so there's so much marlon humphrey all packed yeah, within Mark, this about that. great yeah. ravens interview with the head coach of the baltimore ravens and, and john it's, harbaugh it, it's not very often that you're going 21 minutes with an NFL head coach like that. It's coming to you all next. Do you want to right. make sure you tune it in, lock in, share it, let everyone know. Yeah, call your friends, call your auntie, your uncle. Everybody. <laughs> 105.5, John Harbaugh will be coming up next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5 with Nick Wiggins and Corey LeBounty. John Harbaugh joining us next. Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP.
the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you this afternoon. And it is a pleasure and a privilege to have the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens with us this afternoon. John Harbaugh will be coming to Mobile, Alabama for the 15th annual Team Focus Fundraising Banquet this coming Tuesday, May 16th. There'll be a silent auction that starts at 5.30, 6.30. He will be speaking. Coach Harbaugh, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us on the final drive. Hey, Corey and Nick, great to be with you guys, man. I know you got a great show down there and a great, uh, great base. Can't wait to get to Mobile next week and be with Team Focus and Mike Godfrey and everybody that's making such a difference in young men's lives. I'm really excited about it. Coach, we're just excited to have you here and talk to us about one of the reasons you decided to come and be one of the speakers at Coach Mike Godfrey's Team Focus Dinner. Well, because of Coach Godfrey and the Godfrey family, and we've been connected to them for many, many years. I've known about Team Focus for a long time. Guys like Rocky Alt and Keith Howard and so many, so many friends of mine that are part of Team Focus as mentors and leaders. I just know the quality of the people, the character, and the difference they're making. So, this is an opportunity to come down and just maybe, you know, give a little bit back, but have a lot of fun, uh, get to know people, just hang around with people who are good, and good friends and close with the Godfreys, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, man. Hey, Nick here. We're we're excited to have you down here, man. A guy of your caliber coming down here and talking to uh, the city of Mobile. You can't beat that. Another thing that you can't beat, though, that contract that Lamar Jackson signed, man. That was amazing. What was your feelings when that news finally broke that Lamar was getting that contract that he deserved? No, it was it was joy. You know, it was happiness, a little bit of relief. You know, the timing of it, Nick, was was pretty was pretty key because it was actually the, the uh, it, during the week before leading up to the draft. Then it got done right before the draft started, essentially around four or five o'clock on that Thursday of the draft day. So that had a little bit to do with our strategy too. So we had to sure. think about that. I was just happy it got done. I, I'd been saying all along that I felt like it would get done just because both sides and everybody involved wanted it to get done. Right. But to see it actually get done, obviously, is a different thing. And I was happy about it. And, you know, it's been widely covered that it was just Lamar and his mom doing all these negotiations. So once you saw it go down, did that have you wishing that you had Miss Jackie uh, in your last contract negotiation with Baltimore? <laughs> it's funny, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess it's a strategy, you know. And, uh, but, yeah, I, I really honestly – Try to try not to get too involved in that. I mean, there's there's pluses and minuses for what Lamar did, yeah. both ways. I know he knows that. So it worked out because you know I think I think the bottom line is everybody kind of wanted definitely definitely wanted it to work out, and that's kind of the important thing. Coach, family runs deep as far as playing football within your family. Of course, we know your brother coaching in Michigan, but your father kind of laid the table out for you guys to follow in his footsteps. And sometimes parents don't want their children to follow in their footsteps. When you looked at your dad and becoming that ultimate role model, even seeing him win the 2002 Division I AA National Championship at Western Kentucky of all places, did you always feel that coaching was going to be in your blood? You know, I don't know. You know I think it just always was, you know, and it was yeah, dad and mom and and uh, just growing up, because when you're when you're a coach's kid, and I think a lot of people out there who are listening are coaches' kids in some degree or another, you really do take on uh, the importance of the teams. You know that 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 your dad or mom are coaching. It really 
it matters to you. You know, you become part of the team. You live and die with the successes, the failures, the day-to-day stuff, and you watch it. You watch your, in our case, we watched our dad live through all the different things that uh, that come up. So you kind of, you kind of, I don't know, just by osmosis, I guess you got to take some of it in, I guess. And then, you know, having the players over, we had, my dad was a defensive back coach by trade over the years. So but the DBs were always over at our house for dinners or cookouts. They bring the girlfriends over or whatever. They'd laugh. They'd have a good time. So we grew up with those guys. Those guys were our heroes, you know. So, you know, we both played football. Jim obviously was just a little bit better player than I was. But over the years, we had a chance to be part of teams with that too. But you're kind of always part of a team when you're a coach's kid. And, and it, you know, you really don't want to leave that behind. So what do you do? You get into coaching. That's what we did. The dinner table discussions. I know Thanksgiving is not the same without faith, family, and football. Of course, being college and NFL football, the competitiveness when you guys were at Thanksgiving dinners. Did you guys go out and play the the two-on-two football games or the backyard competitiveness around Thanksgiving? And do you love the fact that faith, family, and football are all wrapped up into your family? Well, it definitely is. I mean, that's just kind of the, the de facto uh, pecking order there, to, you know, that you're talking about. That's that's where we're all at. But, uh, yeah, when we were growing up, I mean, it was Thanksgiving. We usually travel and we'd go to Cleveland, Ohio, or Crestline, Ohio, where the Godfrey's are from, as well as Harbaugh's. And we'd be there for, we'd be there and we'd be running around with all the cousins and, and everything. We, we had a, they had a small garage in the back of the, is it like an apartment, a single story little rancher type apartment that um, my grandparents and, and Mike's mom, Curly, she lived in, and, and our, their uh, sisters. So Marie and Curly were sisters, and those are my, my dad and, and Mike and Joe's moms, you know. So we'd all be there. Family would come in, and there was a garage back there that had a basketball hoop on either end. Now, it might have, I went back and looked at it one time. It was tiny, man. It was like a two-car garage. <laughs> but I remember those games, shirts and skins, Going at it, it was kind of rough, you know, and as we got older, we were allowed to get in there and do it. And, of course, Mark Godfrey, he played for Oral Roberts. He got to be a great, great player, so he was usually banging. It was it was strange, but it was actually from under the other basket, usually. It was so close. But, man, we had a lot of fun doing that. And whatever sport was up, we played a lot of cards, played a lot of euchre. Euchre was big in Ohio back then. So, Mike and Joe, I'll tell you, those guys are like, don't play euchre with those two guys. I mean, they're tough. They'll, they'll take you to school in euchre. Coach, I tell you, talking about taking to school, the leadership ability of Ozzie Newsom. Everyone here in Mobile, Alabama knows Ozzie Newsom and what he meant to the Crimson Tide playing for Bear Bryant. But then when he becomes a part of the Ravens organization and leadership, let us, let us know what it was like working with the Wizard and Ozzie Newsom and having an opportunity to see the decisions that he was making for your franchise. Man, I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, I know Ozzy's from down that way, and, and he is, man. Yeah, that's Bama. I got We get off the bus on a road trip, and he's all in his phone, you know, and telling me, uh, minute 52 left. He's really, but if it's a blowout, you know, against somebody, he's all smiles, man. He, he, he can't, you know, he's ready to get out to dinner. But if it's tight, he gets tight. So it's, it's fun to see how much of a passion he has for Alabama football. And I know he and Nick are real close. But, yeah, Ozzy's just been a, it's been the, um, it's been the, the, uh, of a lifetime. It's just been the, the gift and the blessing of a lifetime to have a chance to, to work with him every single day. And he's the kind of guy that does that. He, he partners, he's partnered with me from day one. Even when I was a first-year young coach, didn't know up from down, 
He always treated me as an equal, always uh, always listened, always uh, had sage advice. One of the cool things about Ozzy is the ability to, to get to the heart of, a, of an issue. You know, there can be a lot of peripheral things going on in a ter- certain circumstance, but it was always, you know, hey, you know what, this is really what we're talking about here, whether it was, you know, nobody's bigger than the team or sometimes it's just a matter of personnel. Like, you know, we don't play any games till September. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll, have, we'll get that corrected. We got time. Be patient just a little bit. Things like that always made a big difference to me. All right, John. So you said that Jim was the, the better player uh, in the Harbaugh family. Who's the better coach? Oh, I'd say Jim. You know, man, look All what right. he's doing in Michigan. He's done it at every level. <clears throat> you know, the thing about Jim, it's really amazing. Um, he, he's never not done great anywhere. Yeah. At, uh, and not as a player or as a coach, but University of San Diego, they were, they were down. He flips them completely around. Stanford, they were below down. They were beneath down, okay? They hadn't won a game, I don't think, the year before. Flips them completely around. Beat USC. Pete Carroll's vaunted USC team the very first year when he really didn't have a good team. I think he won four games, but still finds a way to beat USC. Then you know how that rivalry grew. After that, goes to the Niners, builds a, just a, a powerhouse. I mean, he did an amazing job there uh, building and developing that team. Then he goes back to Michigan, and with all the scrutiny and all the all the microscopic, Michigan wasn't an easy uh, easy build by any stretch, but just stuck with it, uh, uh, you know, pushed through. Now they got a team culture. I think it's second to none. I believe that wholeheartedly, and uh, you know, he's just done a great job. He's he's got that program on the level of your program there in that state. They're kind of kind of you know in that same world right now. And I know Jim wants to take to the next level and try to win a national championship, just like Alabama's done so many times. So. Yeah, that's where he's at. I'm really proud of him. Yeah, man. No, they're definitely a powerhouse over there in Michigan. And, look, I'm going to clip this, and I'm going to send this to my brother. I'm going to say, hey, look, anytime someone asks you a question about me, I need you to answer it like John did about Jim. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's funny you say it because I just – we grew up, and our dad kind of – we I kind of learned this just by watching him. But he was the kind of guy that was always like that. Like, he never, ever said a negative word about anybody that was his, you know, family – uh, on his team, on his side, not publicly. Now, he'd tell us privately, uh-huh. especially if we didn't run out of pop-up pop or something <laughs> like that, man. He'd make us walk home from the field if we didn't, you know, put our, throw our bikes in the trunk and make us walk home if we didn't run out of pop-up or something like that. But publicly, he never, ever said anything but positive words about us. And that's one of those things I think he just kind of, he just grows on you after a while. And, and I'm a big believer in that. When you're, with young people and the kind of people that Mike and, 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 and Team Focus is touching, that's right. something that's really important to a young person to give them belief in themselves and know that they're special and valued and that they've got a great future. And look, and that's why they're having you come be the keynote speaker, man. It just makes complete sense. But I'm going to uh, bounce back over to Baltimore. So you guys have established your team as the premier rushing threat in the NFL over these past few years. In this offseason, you know, you get Lamar. Maybe that's what led you guys to taking Zay Flowers early. You bring in the highest-touted free agent, I think, uh, this year in Odell, you already have one of the best tight ends in Mark Andrews. What do you see as the potential for your guys' offense this year? Oh, I, I, absolutely. Just what you're saying. I mean, it, it's high, you know, and, and, you know, we feel that way every year. But it does take time to put different pieces in place, even as you saw with the quarterback situation, draft, free agency. You know, we had to really redo our offensive line last year. We had some injuries, uh, injuries with our wide receivers. Our running backs had injuries. So all those things kind of they can set you back, but I think we go into the season fully loaded on offense. 
really believe that. Now, now what we need to do is we need to develop what we're doing. You know, we've got Todd Munkin, who you guys are very familiar with down there in the SEC and kind of offense that, that he's going to put in. And he's also building off of what we've done in the past. Like you said already, Nick, with the run game, we want to build off of that too and hold on to a lot of those principles that we have, but also open it up and spread it out and get those talented skill guys moving around. Even some of the young guys that you didn't mention, like Bateman or like yeah. um, Isaiah Likely or Charlie Cole or different guys like that. I don't want to leave people out, but we got a lot of talent, man, and I'm, right. I'm really excited well, to get on the grass and start working on working with those guys a lot more. Well, and you saw that Lamar said he's going to try and throw for 6,000 yards this year. I mean, he's got all those weapons. He might c- could come close. Well, if he does, you know, nobody's going to be happier than me. I promise <laughs> That's that. right. That'd be awesome. You know, it's, be, I, I'm not going to hold him. He doesn't have to hit 6,000. You know, if he hits. If he hits 5,800, we'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coach, if he hits 5,800, we're going to go ahead and renegotiate your contract immediately in the offseason, Coach. Right. And I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and make that Super Bowl prediction. 5,800 yards, you guys are going to be the winners of the Super Bowl for sure. Yeah. No doubt. I'm, I'm telling you, realistically, though, those numbers are whatever they are, they are. Yeah. But it's going to be up there. You know, it's not going to be uh, 6,000. I don't think he meant that seriously. But right. you, Lamar, uh, you never know what he's really what he's really thinking. But it's going to be it's going to be up there where it needs to be, and it's going to be winning football, throwing. We're going to, we're going to run it. We're going to throw. we got the quarterback-driven stuff, the RPOs, the play-action stuff, downhill runs, the straight drop-back. I mean, we just got to build it around the players, what Lamar and those guys do well. And uh, I think Todd's really working on understanding that now and some of these um, – Phase two practices we're having, we just got to keep growing that way. The greatest part about you having Todd Munkin on your staff as your new offensive coordinator, a guy that a lot of people down here in Mobile, Alabama, speak legendary on, T. Martin is the quarterback coach, coaching Lamar. When I had him on, he said, look, Lamar has more ability in his left pinky than I do in my entire body. I know I just love the connection with you coming down here, speaking at the Team Focus organization, having someone like T. Martin who's inside of your organization, works for you every day not only that you know personally but the people that are be coming to the team focus banquet know also and had a chance to watch him play not only in high school but in college too yeah that's exactly right that's such a great point to bring up i mean t is a special special guy and had a chance i didn't really know t before he came to our place two years ago uh from tennessee and he was working with the uh the wide receivers and i watched him work and did such a great job and then we kind of shifted the staff around, and we interviewed. We interviewed for the quarterback job, and T was by far and away the best guy. I mean, he he just was so prepared, just blew the interview process away. Now that I watch him coach, I see even more. You know, just from the day to day basis, I think he's got an amazing, bright future in the in the profession uh, as a coordinator, as a head coach. I think the sky's the limit. But right now, he's doing it with the quarterbacks and with Lamar and those guys. And, Really proud of T. He's done a great job. You all down there, I know the people, the fans, and his family should be proud as well. He's a very special person, very great coach. Well, also defensively, you have another Bama guy, Marlon Humphrey. I had his dad, Bobby Humphrey, on, and he spoke so highly of you and Ozzie Newsom. But the leadership that Marlon Humphrey brings, the lightheartedness to the locker room, but all business on the field, his growth as a player coming into your franchise since his rookie year until becoming a pro bowler almost instantaneously, I know you love the leadership he brings. Oh, you're right. All those things you're saying are exactly right. And he's got that great, that great demeanor between being uh, fun, funny, 
you know, enjoys, enjoys what he's doing, but at the same time, he's all business. He's all about being the best he can be, and uh, he wants to be a physical, tough corner, uh, and that's what he is. You know, then the other part of it is, is like he really is not doesn't shy away from working on the things he doesn't think he does as well. I know, you know, coming out there was a rap on him, you know, that he couldn't do a great job covering routes downfield. And uh, that was the, that was the one thing that the scouts all said, oh, I don't know if he's going to be good enough. If he doesn't cover the routes downfield, he came to work on that the very first day, and it was never a problem here. I mean, he's actually one of the best in the league covering routes downfield. You know, when a guy does that, that overcomes what is a uh, an advertised quote-unquote weakness and turns it into a demonstrated strength. You know, that's 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 impressive, and that's the kind of guy that Marlon is. You know, uh, so Marlon and your new receiver, Odell, they've been some fierce competitors against one another on the field. So now that they're both on the same team, is that an iron sharpening iron type of situation there? Oh, I'm sure it will be, but, you know, I'm going to have to step in there and tell them to calm it down just a little bit, you know, <laughs> save it for the, uh, for the opponent. You know, let's save it for the Steelers, the Browns, the Bengals. That's right. we'll, be, we'll be just fine, but... You know, those guys, uh, uh, they're already having a lot of fun together. And I think, I do think at practice, you know, and I, I do think programs like Michigan and Alabama and Georgia and programs like that, Ohio State, they, they basically provide that every single day. I mean, when you got to go against great players every day in practice, that, 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 that helps you be your best. Like you said, iron sharpens iron, and the sharpest iron sharpens iron sharper, I think. So I'll add that little bit to the proverb. Uh, you to, uh, are you allowed to do that? Add something to the problem? Yeah, no. Coach. Hey, John, uh, you need Harbaugh can, I think, <laughs> is the rule. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, Coach, I, I wanted to know the most exciting part of your job. I know we just had the draft, and you see those war rooms and the, the owners and everyone that's involved with the franchise get real excited, high-fiving. But OTAs getting ready to come up for the rookies. Is it the fall camp? Is it the OTAs that are coming up? Or is it during the season that you enjoy the most about your job? Man, I'll tell you, that's a great question. And it, it's, it's all the above. Like, whenever you get out there and you, and you do something that's football, I mean, it's what we love to do. So, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely associating with the players. The draft is cool like that because, like you said, you draft these guys and it's a life-changing moment and their families. And usually it's a big, yeah, everybody's yelling and screaming and crying and everything else. And that, that's really fun. Um, then you meet them for the first time at rookie minicamp. But I would say the best thing to me is uh, is just is in the locker room after a win, you know, because that's what you work for. I know I remember Vince Lombardi talked about that. There is no finer moment than in that locker room after you've exhausted yourself in the field of battle, giving it everything you got with victory at hand, you know. And that's that's a paraphrase, but that's the point. That moment in the locker room with the coaches, the players, the guys who've given so much for that victory, and then and then achieving that moment, that's the sweetest part of the whole thing. And I'll tell you what, sweet coach, is the fact that you're giving back to Team Focus. And Mike Godford's worked over 20 years here with the Team Focus organization. And you're coming down to be the keynote speaker Tuesday, May 16th here, 2023. Silent auction starts at 530. The doors open at 630 and dinner being served. Your relationship with Mike Godford and Joe Godford, who's a near and dear friend to me. I grew up in the South Alabama program when he was the athletic director. And if you ever ask him what it was like to watch me as the ball boy at South Alabama, he'll tell you what I what he means to me and what South Alabama means to me and his leadership. But Mike and Joe together 
and this team-focused organization is what it's all about, why you're coming to be the keynote speaker. And once again, Coach, we, we can't thank you enough for giving us your time coming down to Mobile, Alabama, speaking to young men and adults as well. Those without fathers is the purpose of Team Focus, and this is a great fundraiser opportunity to help those young kids in needs because, Coach, unfortunately to say, you see so many men that become NFL players that have not had fathers in their lives and you as a head coach have seen that over and over again but the difference that team focus can make to those young men without fathers thank you so much for coming and being the keynote speaker well you're exactly right it's an honor to be asked I appreciate being on with you guys you guys run a great show very entertaining and uh thanks for having me on john harbaugh the head football coach for the Baltimore Ravens joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And don't forget, he'll be the keynote speaker at Team Focus, the 15th annual fundraising banquet this Tuesday, May 16th, 2023 at the Mobile Convention Center. You can buy your tickets and support the Team Focus organization. We look forward to meeting Coach Harbaugh and hearing what he and Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator at Alabama, have to say. All right, looking forward to it. We appreciate it, John. Have a good one, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, man. God bless, Coach. Thank you. All right. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Stretching the field. This is the final drive with Corey and Michael on WNSP. The final drive. Triple G, Nick Wiggins has sat in with me today. It's been a privilege and an honor to to go ahead and, and to the victor come the spoils. You know, I, again, congratulations on your two-on-two -two win. And the votes have been coming in. And, you know, tonight, Boston and Philly, I said we're going seventh game. Phillies, uh, they're ending it tonight at home. Denver, Phoenix, I said we're going to seventh game. Denver's ending it tonight. It's over. Want to thank John Harbaugh for joining us. You can catch that on WNSP now. Single podcast will be available. The whole show will be available. Tim Brando also joining us. The iconic figure from CBS, ESPN, and now Fox Sports. A great show here on Thursday. Tomorrow, Darren Patterson will be sitting in with me. Pigskin Pete, Brian Gennard coming up next. The Prep Spotlight here on WNSP 105.5. And, 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 and don't forget, people. 